And welcome back to another episode of JP and the Beanstalk. I'm Beans. Hi, JP. Hey, hey. Great to be here with you, Beans, with all of you partaking in the atmosphere with us. The atmosphere is great in the gym. It's good. The energy is fierce, as are we. How great is this? We're coming fresh off of Loki Season 2, Episode 4. This has been a delight. To just have the gift of Loki be given to us over and over again. True. Man. Man. Absolutely nuts. Very true. Very true. Makes me a little hungry for spaghetti. Tough. Mm-hmm. Tough. Spoilers. <laughs> uh-huh. Not hungry for key lime pie, though. Still not, uh, no, still very low on the list of pies. Yes, they discovered a pasta section mm-hmm. in this last episode. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. Yeah, well, I love what you did there. I love what you did there. But, no, it's great to be here, Beans. It's so great to be here. Hey, I was pondering this uh, kind of a by the by mm-hmm. to ask you. Means, you know, in this world of variants and multiversal possibilities where people can be themselves and yet someone other than themselves, who would you, if you had a multiversal self that had abilities, who would you? rather be a multi-version of Riley that is Spider-Man. Oh, here we go. Okay. Or a multi-versal version of Riley that is Deadpool. Oh, we're going to start off with the tough questions? I don't see why not. Yeah. Who would you rather be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We ask the hard questions here on JP and the Beanstalk. I am going to do Spider-Man. Mm. And here is why. Okay. Here is here is why. This is great. Okay. Total freedom of choice here. For me, it really comes down to spider sense mm-hmm. or invincibility. Sure. And I would rather take the spider sense because I can just avoid danger. Sure. Right? I just instead of having to feel the pain. You're gonna miss from the pain. Right. It looks like a very painful process to regrow an arm. Sure. sure. Or, you know, fall right. off a building and just, like, lay there for a little while. That is true. Right? Right. So. Right. That part still has to hurt. And I'd be ugly. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm amazingly good looking right now. So, don't want to spoil that. I don't want to make that work. <laughs> Whether it's mask on or off, you want to look good. Right. And then you get, like, the cool, like... Spider-Man's got some cool, underrated abilities, right? Okay. Deadpool. You, you mentioned the Spidey sense already. What are some right. underrated abilities that you're going, hey, let's not neglect this? Okay. Deadpool technically has a teleporter, right? Right. And earlier days mm-hmm. where he could just kind of boop around. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man can climb walls. Underrated. Not bad. I also think his perfect equilibrium is very underrated. I feel like you don't trip if you're Spider-Man. Interesting. See what I'm saying? You're sure. always find a way to be perfectly balanced. Do so you drop things if you're Spider-Man? No, I don't think so. Oh, wow. It's just be good for you. <laughs> Rude. Rude. Okay. Fine, whatever. Your life better. It's fine. This is good. It's fine. Because if you drop something physically right now, it doesn't heal. You're, you know, if you're Deadpool, you can't transfer the healing power to the thing that's broke. It's true. Or if it's your Spider-Man, you just don't drop it. It's true. That's great. Move. True. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So, that's great. On top of that, I'm assuming I get the intelligence boost. I think that's fair to assume. Which that's means, which means I get to build cool suits, mm-hmm. and then I also get to build my own web shooters. So, and web shooters, yep. 
way cooler mm-hmm. than web shooters. Right. Yes. So yes. The only downside is where I'm at right now, mm-hmm. not a lot of things to swing on. True. Yeah. Midwest probably doesn't continue. No. You need you need the skyscrapers. So Maybe I would jungle? Right. So yeah. I would just have to like invest in a vehicle. Yeah, you have to relocate. And I have to have a spider mobile. Sure, sure. You know? Okay. Which Okay. Some barriers there, but again. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I think I'd go more of a motorcycle at that point. Sure. Easier to maneuver around, like mm-hmm. a dirt bike. Mm-hmm. I could web a dirt bike in a tree and be fine for a little while, you know? Nice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a, a Spider-Man-themed car, I think right. it's pretty hard to, to hide. Yeah. So, yeah. that's the only downside. But other than that, I think I gotta go... I think Spider-Man just has more upside. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I want to live forever. Deadpool is cursed to live forever. It's part of what makes life so meaningful is death, right? You knowing that it's it's temporary. Because I, th- I think eventually I'd go crazy. Oh, absolutely. I would hundred percent go crazy at some point. Yeah, and just yeah. do stuff because I'm bored. Oh, there is there is no doubt. You don't want to invite that particular challenge. No question. No question. Good choice. I think so. It's a good choice. You? I'm glad you're comfortable with that. Uh, yeah. Like between those two, it's hard. If if I could know that if I chose to have Spider Man's abilities, but it would come without all the personal tragedy that his character is, it's like a gravitational pull, right? Then I would choose Spider Man in a heartbeat. Uh, I enjoy both characters' uh, wit. Right, they're they crack the jokes, they keep things light. I appreciate that. I enjoy that aspect of their characters. So that's a that's a tie of sorts for me. Um, yeah, I'm not interested in the immortal life. That's more negative than actual positive. So if there was a way to, uh, like age, right, but not be invincible, or let me phrase that: be invincible, but age. And eventually, you know, die. I don't know if that's part of the possibility. When it comes to a dead pool. So instead of instead of invent, or instead of immortality, be able to heal from physical wounds, or like indestructibility. Indes- there you go, indestructible. Yes, which yes. that would be fun because you yeah. look at Stitch and yep. dude had a blast. Right, right, absolutely. I think all indestructible people though are a like, little bit crazy. Luke Cage, uh, you know, with the indestructible skin, it's like, but he he's not carrying around the burden of immortality. So, uh, that would be pretty sweet. That'd be pretty sweet. That would be cool. Yeah. The thing that gets me with Spider-Man, that if I think about it too much, you know, there's scenes in every Spider-Man movie where he's webbing somewhere. It's like, I don't know what his web just hit when he shot that web. What did it actually hit? But he's very dependent on tall objects being around him. In that aspect. Just saying, in, in that aspect. But still, the ability to climb walls, the spidey sense... The great balance, the general athleticism, the increased intelligence. Those are all really good things. I mean, I could do a backflip. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's hard. That's hard to top. So I think it's relatively close, but I do think Spider-Man's the choice. I think so. Yeah. 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 So sorry. Sorry, Deadpool. You're just uh in second place. Great, but and I ugly. Honestly, if his indestructibility was like 
again, like Stitches, where he gets blown up by a rocket, but just comes out unharmed. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, yeah, let's do it again. (laughs) Instead of like Deadpool, where he gets hit by a rocket, just blows up entirely. He's like, right. (laughs) And then has to painfully heal himself. Right. No thanks. I get that. I'll pass. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. No, totally fair. Totally fair. Well, to somehow segue out of that, which I don't know how to segue out of that, variants, I guess. Let's talk about our favorite variant, our boy Loki, right? We are now over the halfway threshold of season number two. We have watched episodes three and four, just got done watching episode four together. Uh, Overall, let's just kind of start broad. Where is your posture towards this show? Four episodes down. After episodes one and two, we were feeling pretty good, pretty high on the hog. Are you still there? Do you feel other things? What's your posture? I'm excited. Mm. Honestly. Like, I'm you know, not. you know, we were talking about doing a reset. Mm-hmm. We might be getting the reset now. Right. We might wish maybe granted. We might have gotten the reset three years earlier than we expected. Uh-huh. Kind of crazy. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. like, I'm curious yeah. to see what where this is going, yeah, and where it's setting up, yeah, and like where all the rest of it kind of falls into place here, because that's kind of the one thing we haven't gotten yet is where this takes place mm-hmm. in the MCU timeline, because right. it's all over the place, right? So, to me, I think they've just came to the conclusion where they're like, "You're right, we need to blow it up." Henceforth. Damn. I it's not it's not wrong to ask that question because season one of Loki, which again at the time wasn't called season one, it was just Loki, right? There was no understanding of there is going to be more than just the one. I remember watching that season play itself out and asking the question of okay, so what impact does this show have? on the MCU at large, right? Is it self-contained? Is it influencing? Are we going to see it? Uh, are we going to see the ramifications in those in those films? Um, and I think as time passed in movies, you know, there's two in particular, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. After those movies came out, I think it became more apparent that, okay, yes, uh, Loki has something to do with the MCU. There is some overlap, but it hasn't been a slam dunk. There haven't been references, for example, in those movies back to the Loki show. There's been some really small overlap as far as we have the He Who Remains King variant in the Loki show, and then you have the Conqueror in Quantum Mania, but there's nothing in that movie that, let's just say someone hasn't watched the Loki show, is watching Ant-Man and the Lost Quantum Mania. There's nothing calling back to the Loki show. And similarly, frankly, in the Multiverse of Madness, that relied much more heavily on, hey, have you seen WandaVision, right, to set up the Scarlet Witch's character for where she kicked off in that particular movie. And even though the multiverse was explored, there wasn't any talk of, hey, this hasn't been a thing. wonder why this is, well, where did this come from? It was just presented as 
oh yeah, multiverse, right. That's that's here, that's always been here. So it's possible, it's certainly possible that season two of Loki, since the first season went and was received, it went well, it was received extraordinarily well. And as we've talked about between now and then, between seasons one and two, the movies have been far less impressive. In fact, I would say on a declining, uh, declining trajectory, it would not be impossible for Loki season two to provide a reset. I don't think it's likely, but it's also also not impossible. Well, and it might not be to the extent of like a full reset. It might honestly be the start to the reset. Sure. Like sure. I'm okay, so if I remember correctly, like season one, episode four is when we got or episode four or five is when we got the Loki variant. Yes. Episode five is when we got the yeah. uh, the remaining Loki variants. So I'm guessing this is where we're gonna get some more variants mm-hmm. of the Kang variety. Right, because we talked before we started recording, like how about the parallels between seasons one and two? Right. Episode four, both those episodes end with cliffhangers of episode or sorry, season one. Loki gets pruned shortly after Mobius had just been pruned, and it felt like holy crap, like uh are those guys just done now? Turns out, of course not. But here's season two, episode four, again, where the solution that all these characters have been driving for to try and save the TVA and remedy the problem with the loom went horribly wrong. And now we're ending the episode with a big, bright flash of light. And we don't know what comes next. So back to your point. No, so I'm just curious because it feels like it's just right now it's been hovering. Yeah. Like over. Yeah. Never like yeah. enveloping. Mm-hmm. Envelop enveloping. You got it. So that's why we do that. Yes. Envelope and en- <laughs> enveloping. Enveloping. Indeed. Word of the day. I screwed myself up the second time. <laughs> I over I overthought it the second time. Then it hasn't enveloped yet, right? <laughs> but it if we're getting the new Kangs, like I feel like that's where Loki six will lead off, mm-hmm. or look, lo- lo- episode six, which yep. is all over the place. So I'm curious to see what they if that's when they're like, hey, so, um, you're gonna have to go get Wade Wilson, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. would be great, okay? Mm-hmm. Or they're like, hey, you know, I would be curious to see where that plays in. Yeah. If they're like, hey, Captain Marvel's going off to La La Land, right. which I don't think. Going to hers. What? Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I I do think it's it'll be a it'll be a reset in the sense not of a hey, it's over and we're starting from scratch. Like like we talked about kind of cataclysmic events that could take place, right? Galactus wins, Kang wins. I think it's more of a leaning and doubling down on the multiversal aspect. Thank you. Thankfully. That's that's what I think is is what it's gonna be where rather than the single single timeline, the single universe, it's all just mushed together. And in a certain sense they're saying, you know what? Chaos, 
and therefore we get to make up whatever rules we want to as far as what characters are involved, what characters are not. And it's a very it's a very comic book way to do it. Right. Well, how amazing would it be? Episode six, mm-hmm. both Loki's dead. Mm-hmm. Just dead. Mm-hmm. They die, their story's over. Right. It should be kind of a mirroring of season one yep. where they killed Kang. Yep. And it would be Kang Kang killing them. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it's Mobius barely getting out by the skin of his teeth. And he's like, okay, well, I guess I got to go around the multiverse and build my own team to try to figure out how the heck we're going to stop this. And then it's just little flashes of people he's looking at. And that's how we're introduced to the actual multiverse. Because I feel like we've said before in previous podcasts, we've had the multiverse around and we haven't used it tapped into it right. we've tapped into it about as much as dc tapped into theirs with the flash sure. you know what i'm saying yeah we've only had two movies total that hop mm-hmm. then and the first one was more of like a nostalgia train yep. and i loved it every minute yep. of it but yep. that was spider-man it didn't really yep. touch on the multiverse it was just like hey anyone related to spider-man yeah in any universe right coming here right now right and then i mean doctor it doctor strange was our flash movie in a sense oh <sighs> Oh, terrible comparison. But you I know what you're trying to say. Yes. In yes. concept? Yes. Execution is vastly better. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. But I mean, if you think about it, oh my gosh, I'm having a terrible realization. At the end, Doctor Strange, evil Doctor Strange. Flash, evil flash. At the end of it. More similar than you'd like to believe. It's not good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I think big picture, I don't think it's wrong to say that there's a really there's a better chance than I ever would have anticipated that this season of Loki is going to heavily influence the MCU moving forward in a direct way, not in an indirect way like season one, but in a really direct way. It just feels like maybe it- not. But I think there's I think there's a better chance than I ever would have guessed. It just feels like it's getting everything back on track. Mm. Like we kind of were just like off yep. in the main main timeline. There was no purpose to any right. of these stories. No question. Can you imagine if that like if they go in this show like last episode they're like, mm-hmm. man, there's just been you look at the main timeline. There's like nothing going on. Can you imagine they just address that straight up and then they're like, yeah. We should go over here. That'd be brilliant. This world looks, this universe looks a lot cooler. Let's hang out. She-Hulk pops up and they're like, is this what happened with her character here? Daredevil? He's in yellow? Oh, God. Fantastic. To be just self-aware of yourself to that point. But, I mean, that's, I think that's what I'm most excited about. Because, like, I mean, you can... You hear all the little Secret Wars rumors. You hear the little Deadpool rumors where there's going to be certain things involved with that movie. But it's like, I don't know. It feels like we're finally getting, like, it feels like they're finally delivering on the premise that they said they were going to deliver on. Well, we weren't wrong to say before the season started that this this was make or break. Correct. Marvel. And to their credit, because we do have to give them credit. They're making it. So far. So far. So Four far. Four episodes in. It's been tight storytelling. A great and not small cast of characters. And 
balancing out rule twisting, bending, and and world building. Like they're expanding on the world of TVA, the rules that are involved with the mechanics of how you know how the TVA operates and what is and is not possible. Like that is that is what the great Marvel movies did and what by and large for 10 years the MCU was able to accomplish. Again, not perfectly, but it is a in that respect, it's a throwback, right? And so it it does engender hope that hey, they're proving that they can do this. This is still possible. It's just a matter of can you give some purpose to these stories, right? Because if let's say Loki season two ends up being self-contained, okay, let's let's cast the vision for a different conclusion to this season that doesn't actually directly impact the MCU. I will still have watched and thoroughly enjoyed this season, right? If it just ends with including the TVA's story, Loki, Mobius, Sylvie, that will still be worthwhile, right? That has just lacked, there, there just hasn't been that kind of tension in the movie. It's like, what, what's the point of the story existing? Like, I think back to Eternals, and part of me has really wanted to go back and re-watch that movie because there were elements of it that were that were so close to being great. But so much of where it struggled in my mind is like, really, what are the stakes here? Right? Why why do we why do we care about this? None of the characters were we able to relate to in a meaningful enough way where in that self-contained movie we were going, yeah, I really hope this really hope this works out. It was just kind of a popcorn action flick. That's fine in and of itself, but that's not what the MCU has done. The MCU has woven together this tapestry of movies and characters that each have their own individual struggles that matter and stories that matter. And then somehow they are able to put them together pair them up, partner them up, and they're able to tackle even larger challenges. And we've just been missing that. And yet here's a really, whether it's self-contained or whether it truly does expand and influence into this next run of Marvel movies, either way, no matter which path that goes down, it's going to have been a success for what it needed to be. Right. I think that's really impressive. Yeah, it's just, I was thinking of that. Thought I had something, and it's gone. While you're while you're thinking of that, I also want to give kudos to you know we talked on our previous podcast about how hey we need to see Kang in episode three. Boy, did we get him! Right, we got a lot of Victor Timely in episodes three and four. Jonathan Majors, he's so freaking good. He's so good. Like I have to actually remind myself, even though he. It's literally him because, oh my gosh, it looks like him. Hence, it is him. But he is playing such a different version. We've seen three distinctly different versions of the same individual. The He Who Remains version, the Conqueror version, and now the Victor Timely version. And all three of those versions have been so doggone believable and rich in their own ways. Now I'm just fascinated to see, because I think we're going to get this in episodes Five and six, we're going to get to see Majors flex some more. Well, and that's great. I mean, and I think this is where Ant Man actually came in. Yep. 
Because the way they set that up at the end where there's three coming out that are kind of your big three in a sense, and there's a bunch more. (laughs) I, like the Council of Kangs, I think this is where they come in. Mm. And it would make sense and to have them and then just really hammer down the point that these guys are scary. And Victor was like the chill one out of all of them. And they're still, and I remembered what I was going to say. Okay, so... And there's still what I like. There's still some mystery. Yeah. And there's still some like, right. Oh, I actually really care about this because yes, we just, we don't know why he who remains reset all their memories. Right. And so, and now we're finding out that all of these people in the TVA mm-hmm. helped him win mm-hmm. the war of Kangs. Mm-hmm. So that means Mobius mm-hmm. was a godass. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we knew that already, <laughs> but like, so it will. But like on like another like level right. of like, oh, these guys are right. like these were soldiers. These guys are warriors. Yes. So to see yes. that come in and like, oh. and also super nice to hear Loki reference him being a god. You just forget that he's like a mm-hmm. god. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, yeah, good dialogue. There's just there's good little like, <laughs> I'm stuck. Like that's still what's going to keep me going. I want to find yes. out why he did that. And yeah. well, I think we're going to get it. I do too. Yeah, I, I really do too. Um, it's fascinating to see more of that story get revealed. Uh, the reveal of the... And there's more to it. So we got some, but I feel like there's more there as well. That Renslayer was the leader of his armies. You know, Miss Minutes had a significant role as his, you know, as his AI uh, apparatus. And I still think there's more to be revealed there. Part of what, you know, is so easy to get lost in the midst of all of what we're trying to absorb and unpack is there was a purpose that has yet to be revealed to us that he who remains intentionally, intentionally, brought Victor Timely into this position at the TVA. And we still don't know what that is. And I'm sure it wasn't for the sake of him showing up and getting turned into human spaghetti. Right. That's not it. And so there's a there's a lot more to learn, a lot more to come on, okay, he who remains playing some kind of long game here. And I'm, I'm really fascinated by that. And to me, and what I feel like right now, obviously just to guess, yeah. I'm guessing that Victor Timely was a past version of He Who Remains. Like mm-hmm. those two are throughout, there's all these variants, but yeah. these two are, are the same. Yeah. They're the same guy mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he created the TVA handbook mm-hmm. and Ouroboros helped like flesh it out. And so as they said, it eats itself. Right. So... They right. had to drop that thing off for him. Mm-hmm. I think he was always supposed to be that guy, mm-hmm. and it just took a while to get him to that point. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be fascinating to see. And it was such a cool reveal because we had talked about it before even starting the episode going, man, I wonder who I wonder who pruned Loki in that first episode, near the end of the first episode when he had to self-prune, or at least that was the instruction he received, prune himself in order to get pulled out of the time slipping loop that he was in and you said well i think loki 
did it himself. I said, I don't think it was him. Turns out we were both right. We were right. It was Loki. I just, I, I thought he just got himself. That was. In a different way. Yeah, exactly. So that was really cool to see that particular question get answered. And what I'm like just genuinely pumped for is we are going to have two full episodes. So almost two hours, a good hour and a half, really, I guess when you break it down, a good hour and a half of material and of footage that we haven't seen a single snippet of trailer footage for. I know. This is it is exciting. We have no idea what's gonna happen. You know how that's so rare anymore? That's so rare. You don't get that gift. And so talk about just anticipation. It's you know, it's at an all-time high. How surprised were you when Victor Timely Walked out, dude, and just. I've said this. Won. I've said this multiple times <laughs> off camera. I was literally suiting up, and I go in my head. I'm like, how funny would it be yes. if he just died? And I was gonna say it out loud, but I was like, I don't want to ruin the moment. I don't want. I don't want to ruin the suspense because it's probably it not gonna up, happen. It was built up like, so well. It was gonna be like a. Dr. It felt like Sugar. an Apollo 13 movie, right? right? He's like, gonna take his time. He's gonna make it. It's gonna he's be gonna the last it. second. He's gonna put it in, hit the button. He's gonna be a hero. And then just. Just got like a Play Doh thing. Just so fast. One, so fast. I couldn't believe they pulled it. It was incredible. They pulled the trigger on it and it just was yeah. masterful. Right. Just amazing. So fun. It, it was amazing. Uh, it was hilarious. And yeah, mad, mad respect, right? Because it just sets up all kinds of questions for the next couple of episodes. And just when you think you've got the show figured out. You don't. It pulls that new trick on you and says, wait, here's new information you didn't have yet. I'm really fascinated. One other thought I just had with Renslayer. So she's been pruned again. So she's been sent to that void where the monster Eliath, right, consumes everything that gets sent to that void. I am really curious, something I just remembered with season one, how he remains says he discovered and was able to weaponize Eliath. What if... The way in which he was able to weaponize Elias, what if Renslayer had some part to play in that process? Like she was able to tame the beast, as it were. And so Sylvie thinks she's sending Renslayer to Doom's doorstep by pruning her to the void. But as it turns out, this is just another place where Renslayer can flex a little bit. Possible. I'd, I'd be really curious. That, that would be that'd be smart. I have enjoyed her character. There hasn't been a single character. Brad, right? Freaking Brad. I was hoping we were going to be done with Brad. Brad keeps coming back. He's been perfect for what he needs to be. He's been great. There has not been a single character that we've encountered that I haven't just thoroughly uh, enjoyed spending time with. There hasn't been wasted time with any of those characters. I agree. Like letting Renslayer just annihilate all those innocent people. Dark move. Dark move, just squish him in the box. Goosebumps. By the way, that line from Brad was so funny. He's like, very, 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 very. <laughs> he's like, 
Fantastic. They kill you in a very incredibly painful and original way. It's a very small box. <laughs> so, no, I'm psyched. Anything else you want to hit on? No, I think, I think we're good. I think uh, yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm excited because it feels like it's a blank slate. So, like, we could be way out yeah. of out of pocket and not have a clue where it's going to go. Yeah. It'll be fascinating to see where we are two weeks from now. So Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Love it. Okay. Well, transitioning away from Loki, uh, we are looking ahead and one of the future MCU properties, as the movie-making machine tries to get started up again in the midst of writers and actors' strikes is the Fantastic Four movie. Now, the rumors suggest that the casting for this movie is settled. But from what we've heard, all rumors, so always that caveat. However, until the actor strike is resolved, the official announcements will not be made as to who the actors and actresses portraying the Fantastic Four will be in that movie. So I thought, what an opportunity for us to say, if we had our druthers, Here's who we would cast in the respective roles of the Fantastic Four. So, we're going to share that with you all. Then we'll get into another classic JP and the Beans top five. But first, a top four of sorts. Kind of, yes. Yeah, and something I did want to ask you before we get into this. So, I'm fresh off of consuming uh, a lot of Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four run. Mm. There's still more for me to go, but... I had heard for years now that, hey, that's a great, like an all-time great run. So I finally pulled the trigger, finally went into it, really haven't read Fantastic Four since I was a wee lad at the Waverly Public Library, breaking out the 1970s comics. And those were great for what they needed to be. But point is, it's been a piece since I've spent time with these characters. And the hype was well-deserved. This was an outstanding comic run, and it's it's capturing these characters when Reed Richards, Reed Richards and Sue Storm are married. So it's Reed and Sue Richards. They have two kids, boy and a girl, and let's see, Valerie and yeah, yeah Valeria and Franklin, uh, and, Franklin. and not the turtle, no, not the turtle. And they're around that like five to seven age. And then, of course, you have Ben Grimm, the thing, and Johnny Storm as the human torch. So if I was thinking through my, hey, who would I cast in these roles? That's the stage of life I've got these characters in, where Reed and Sue are parents. So maybe a little bit further down the line than what we've seen in the previous movies. And I'm okay. For example, I, that's just where I'm at with they, my approach. They are one, like team where i'm like i don't need the origin their mm. origin is very simple we don't need to start very from true. the beginning very true just literally they're, they're one of the most basic basic superhero origin stories they got blasted with cosmic rays they come back they have superpowers like yep. that's just the best yep. best way to describe it correct and they just embrace the powers and yep. like everybody knows who they are yeah yeah exactly so with that caveat aside uh, ready to get into it, shall we? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we'll go character by character here. For me, Reed Richards, a.k.a. Mr. Fantastic. I labored over this choice 
for a while. This was the toughest one for me to, to kind of hone in on. And I think my choice will surprise you. Keanu Reeves for Reed Richards. Hear me out, all right? So not John Wick, all right? Why Keanu? Great question, glad you asked. Keanu, Keanu, excuse me. Makes me feel better about enveloped. <laughs> yeah, Keanu. <laughs> Keanu has, I can imagine him as Reed Richards because he has the ability to be relatively timid, which Reed is. Like, Reed's not a fighter first. He's a he's a scientist. He's an explorer. He's a very inquisitive person. So it's not hit first, ask questions later. It's a lot of, it's actually ask 200 questions first, okay, and then maybe we'll go fisticuffs. And there's that paternal aspect. Again, we're talking about that fatherhood piece. Keanu has that just natural softness of voice where if you take him out of the John Wick world, it's like, well, this guy could be, especially at this age, I could see him being dad, Reed Richards, contemplative, inquisitive. So a little bit of a pull out of left field bit for me. Keanu Reeves. All I see is John Wick. I know. I totally get that. Like, in your defense, though, like, he's very good at being, like, a very decisive character. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows when he needs to pull the trigger. There you go. And I think Keanu could do that. Mm-hmm. I went a little younger, and I'm not going to lie to you. Some of these come, come off of some fan castings, okay? That's great. Yes. But I liked it. That's I, great. Yeah. You have to on, embrace it. Honorable mention, John Krasinski, just because he's already been there. Sure. You know what? Just throw him a bone and actually see what he can do. But... My actual pick, because, mm-hmm. you know, Adam Driver was talked about for a little while. He's not it. I'd rather see him as Victor Von Doom at this point. Be but yeah. I like Penn Badgley. Interesting. He seems like yeah. kind of that more reserved. Yeah. But yeah. where I think he comes to me compared to Keanu, and this is not a shot at Keanu, this guy looks more like Brainiac mm-hmm. compared to, like, Keanu, who's definitely can pull off smart, but like this dude looks nerd in there. Right. He looks yeah. like he's calculating the room at all times. And I think it might, I don't know if it's just in the eyeballs. Sure. But to me, I'm like, I could believe that guy was a, is a crazy scientist. Yes. I just can't. Yes. And in a good way. Like yes. he could be the good. He's, he's old enough where the dad vibes can still be pulled off. But. Right. I don't know. To me, and I and may, again, maybe this is just John Wick with Keanu for me. I can see him having long, intricate, detailed sentences right. when I, all I can hear Keanu is in John Wick 4 when he's just saying, yes. <laughs> One word sentence. Or, I'd like that. I think in John Wick 4, he said maybe 10 to 15 lines of dialogue. That's incredible. Oh, that's incredible. 10 to 15 words of dialogue. Right. Let me rephrase that. Right. So <laughs> that to me, I, I should, I should, I need to probably have a cleanser on Keanu to like get back into it. Sure, but sure. I'm going to go with Penn Badgley. No, and, and I think when you look at Penn Badgley, he looks like Reed Richards right out of the comics. So it's a more, I would say, direct, oh, that's, that's that guy when it comes to the physical piece. 
So but let's be don't real. Disagree with it at all. Let's be real too. Mm-hmm. If they were like, you know what, the guy we had back in two thousand, right? To me, yeah, Ian Gruffield. I don't think. Right? I don't think there is. This is arguably top three superhero castings. He looks that much like Reed Richards. I I don't think you could go any like better. Like, yeah, is absolutely insane to me. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how old he is now, but but it wouldn't even matter no. because this is in again in in the version that I would like to see, and I think we would like to see. We're not interested in the origin, so yeah. By all means, introduce these characters to us when they've already been these characters for a piece. Yeah, I, I don't think he's too old. I mean, good grief! If freaking Paul Rudd. As a, I mean, isn't he sixty now? He's mid fifties at least. Okay, he's come. He's closer to sixty than he is to forty, and yet he's playing a thirty-year-old person in the MCU. If he can do that, I'm sure that our boy Ian Ruffield can yeah. uh, can be Reed Richards. You know, what you whatever should... age he needs to be. Fair enough. Because if you think about it, Nathan Fillion is going to be Guy Gardner. Um, so, it's just the wound that will never heal. Oh my gosh. Uh, but like, I agree with that. And I think it would be cool to see him come back. Because let's be real. The guy who played the thing in that movie too? Michael Chiklis? Yep. Another great Another great fit. First of all, they went four for four in casting on that. True. They just did. True. They actually did. So, yeah, it wasn't a casting problem with those movies. No. So, not at all. My honorable mentions... Uh, yeah, I thought about John Krasinski. Something, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't mind the the fan casting kind of nod that we got in Multiverse of Madness. But I don't, for some reason, I don't want him as Mr. Fantastic. No. I don't know what that is. I, I really can't quantify it. I will say this with John, because don't, don't get me wrong. I threw a bone at him because I like the guy. He's already been him. I, I wouldn't even be upset. Like, no. if they said, no, he's Mr. Fantastic, I wouldn't actually be bothered. It is not my preference. He fit, He feels awkward mm-hmm. for that role. Mm-hmm. Like, you watch him as, and that also might be where, like I said earlier, where Keanu was ruined by John Wick. Yeah. He might have been ruined by Jim from The Office. Yeah. And it's not his fault. Yeah. He just did so good. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Yeah, hard to see him just as. It, he just doesn't feel comfortable. From the one scene showing. Right. Yeah. So anyway, my my honorable mentions were Richard Madden. I thought it could be a a decent Reed Richards. I know that's your Game of Thrones guy. So I'm going largely off looks there. I am also recently Icarus. So kind of a tough move uh, to come back as Reed. I'm all all for Richard Madden, though. Mm -hmm. And then I was trying to figure out a way to get Bradley Cooper in here. Love Bradley Cooper. I don't think he's... He's not Reed Richards. Uh, at least he hasn't shown me that yet. Maybe he could, because he's a heck of an actor. He's phenomenal. But I just... There, there's too much energy. There's just too... Yeah, energy is the right word for it. He just has too much energy. I kind of want to see him be somebody with a little crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just a little crazy. Yep. Doesn't have to be a whole crazy. I mean, we got we got him in Rocket, and he's a great good guy. I kind of want to see him as a bad guy. Here's my struggle with Bradley. Okay, Bradley shows up in my honorable mention for Mr. Fantastic and Victor Von Doom. <laughs> I couldn't figure out where to put the guy. But you know what? You kind of want an actor that rides that line. Yes. Because they are they are very much on the line from being no question. each other. Yeah. 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 So anyway, there's our Reed Richards. Okay. 
Susan Richards, a.k.a. the Invisible Woman. Riley, you go first. Okay. Who do you have? Technically, in my honorable mention, I put Emily Blunt, mm-hmm. again, in honor of John. Same. Same. But wouldn't be upset if she was, she, she'd be great. I was super kid. excited about Margot Robbie having the option of being in there. Because that would have been kind of like, yeah. it would have been the exact opposite of she plays in D.C. Correct. She goes from a crazy psycho to maternal, a mother, a wife, yes, a res- very responsible. I actually have Vanessa Kirby. Yep. And just, again, I don't know if I've seen her in anything. Yeah, because uh, you haven't seen the last two Mission Impossible movies. Right? No. But I, based off of look alone, I'm like, you know what? I could see it, and I would be okay with it. Yeah. So that's pretty much what I'm going off of. Yeah. And she she looks like she could be a very caring mother. Yeah. You know, but also with that side of like, you hurt my family, I'll kill you. Yeah. She would she would genuinely be an outstanding choice. Uh, she would be. My personal preference is Anne Hathaway. Anne's my gal. She's incredible as an actress, and I think she has, and this is a quality that. To give credit to Vanessa, uh, Vanessa has this as well, and you mentioned this, that ability to be nurturing, to be maternal, to be responsible, right? So to be really level and steady, and yet when it's time to throw down, it's time to throw down. Uh, One of the coolest scenes in the Hickman Fantastic Four comic is Sue is partnered up with Namor on a mission to Atlantis. And Namor is being exactly who Namor is, which is a douche. And the douchebag. Just a absolute douche. And Susan just cold cocks him, okay? But not only does she cold cock him, right? You see constantly, hey, she's putting up these force fields to protect others or to create barriers. And yet... What you had never seen is what I'd never seen her do before is what she did in this instance. She created like a force field around her arm as like this giant, like think of it as a like a gauntlet with spikes on it. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Boom! Just smokes him to the turf. It's like, that's awesome. That's a move that I didn't know she had. She's not just the shielder, the protector. It's, I can weaponize this when I want to. That was really awesome. That is pretty sweet. So Anne Hathaway's a pull. Yeah, yeah, in a she's, good way. Yeah, she's been, I would say, relatively quiet in the last five or six years in terms of I haven't seen her in a whole heck of a lot. Agreed. Uh, I know she's been in things. I just haven't seen them, but I think her her output, so to speak, has been dialed back a bit. But she's got chops. So Emily Blunt's in the honorable mention category. Um, Jessica Chastain is another one, another actress that I really enjoy. But to me, not harder to see her on the maternal side and that aspect of the of the character. But again, another one of those kind of similar with Bradley Cooper, where it's like she's a great enough actress, where I wouldn't be surprised if she pulled it off. Just wouldn't be what I could tell you. Hey, I've seen her do this before. That's fair. So there we go. All right. Continuing on, Johnny Storm, a.k.a. the Human Freaking Torch. I have stood firm on my posture 
with my boy Johnny. I'd love to see Zach Efron as this character. Zach's got all the energies that you need because it needs to flow. And I think he would be an outstanding fit for the boundless energy that is Johnny Storm. And yet he's loyal. Is he a rascal? Absolutely. Is he the wild card? Yes. And yet fiercely loyal, protective of his niece and nephew, uh, cares deeply about his family. I can see that out of my guy, Zach. So Zach's my that's my top pick okay. for Human Torch. Okay. What do you got? I got Macaulay Culkin. He was so great in Home Alone. And I'm kidding. Uh, I, I had you there for a second. Wow. Uh, two seconds. Two whole seconds. I'm like, no way. No, I actually have Daiquiri Montgomery. And I have not seen him in Stranger Things. He's been fine. I actually saw him in... Look this guy, yeah. I actually saw him as the Red Ranger in the Power Ranger live-action movie remake. Oh, my. And I liked him a lot. He's kind of a badass in that. So I think he could pull off the the, the cocky the cocky attitude yeah. and the confidence that yeah. comes to Johnny Storm. Um, and he's got the look down, I think. Yeah. And he's a little bit younger than Zach. Yeah. That's a problem. Not that Zach's age is a problem here. Mm. But mm-hmm. but yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 gonna say I'm worried about Zach's face. But this is this is this is a conversation for a different day. No offense to Zach. I don't know if it's maybe because of the new movie. His jaw just scares me a little bit. Okay. Again, not trying to be mean. If it if that's just how it is now, I'm so sorry. That's great. That's great. I'm going with Zachary Montgomery. He's, got, he's certainly got the look. I think he could do yeah. it. I think he yeah. could do it well. And, and that's such a big part of this process, right? Is, hey, you have the look of that particular character. Right. I and, would say yes. And to me, I think that was what, because I've seen a lot of different fan castings. Mm-hmm. For me, he just kind of fits like the, I don't know. He's He's got the same Chris Evans vibes to him. Yes. To me. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to go with him. Yeah. Perfect physicality there. Um. My honorable mentions for this, Miles Teller is one. And I don't feel great about that one. Like, I say that one kind of half-heartedly, but in a certain way, Miles is one of these guys that was cast as Reed Richards in the most recent Fantastic Four movie. So I'd kind of like to see the twist of getting him involved in the new, uh, newest iteration, because Miles is a great actor in his own right. So more of kind of a fun little pull there. The casting that I know this will never happen, but he would be so hilarious. Adam Devine as Johnny Storm. <laughs> the guy, every time I see him on the screen, he's just one of those guys that I laugh immediately before he has said or done anything. He just has such physical comedy. He's a goober. He is just he's a, a goober. He's a goober. He's just a goober. He's, he's not... Uh, he doesn't have enough edge to be Johnny Storm, but I would actually be thrilled if he was Johnny Storm because of all the laughter. That would just be, I would be delighted. So there you go. There's my, there's my Johnny Storm. All right. Last member of the Fantastic Four, Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. 
Who do you got, Riley? So I only focus on the voice. Because to me, mm-hmm. that's what matters the most is the okay. voice. Because okay. we all know the big boy, bad boy of rocks is just going to be walking around like yeah. this, right? Yeah. I went with an actual voice actor. Yeah. Because like, that was like... And I needed like ideas because I was like, I want to focus on a guy that that does voices, like a like not a Mark Hamill. I want somebody with like a lower voice. Okay, so there was there was another guy too, and let me look up his name because I want to make sure I get it right. The guy who voiced Kratos for God of War, like most recently with the deep. Like voice, because that's that's what I want from a thing. Yeah. I, if he just added a, a New York accent to that, that's perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I want to get his name correct. He's not my my choice though. Okay. Um, All I, good. Who voiced? I love your angle on this, going with like homing in on the voice in particular. Christopher Judge is the voice. Judge. Okay. So I actually went. And he was Kratos. He was Kratos. Yeah. He voiced Kratos. Okay. I went with John DiMaggio. Hmm. So he voices Ender in Futurama, for instance. Okay. Um, who else? What else is his his stuff? Let's see here. I just want to make sure. Um, yeah, not a guy that I'm familiar with. He was. Yep. Yeah, let's see. I'm just trying to think of other other ones that you would know. That's um, great. I don't have to know. I love it. He was. Did you watch Batman Under the Red Hood? Yes. Yes, I did. That, that animated movie? Sure. He voiced the Joker in that. Okay. So. Okay. What was that actor name again? John DiMaggio. Okay. So that was my pick. Because I think he could do the, the, the accent with and have that deep enough voice where he could pull it off really well. Sure, sure, sure. And then for like. What have I seen that guy in yet? And then for like, if you need. To have him like revert to like a normal person at any point, which by the way, way overdone. I don't want to see, I don't want to see Ben Grimm. Nope. But if you're gonna, like if you're gonna, just do like Brock Lesnar. Just do a dude that's just jacked out of his mind. Absurdly large. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. That'd be hilarious. Mm. Just some, just. Like honestly, you could probably have Brock Lesnar just be the body for the thing. Amazing, but truly amazing. Yes, I think I think for a character like the thing, it goes with Rocket and it goes with Groot. It's worked well for both of them. Right, I think. Right, that's what it should be. That's great. I won't disagree with that at all. My preference would be in this because I just don't want to see this guy largely because I don't want to see this guy go away. I would love to see. Dave Bautista as the thing. And since the voice is so dependent, right, you can get away with, hey, this like, nobody needs to know this is Drax, right? It can be very different. So I think there's an element there where it's like, that's realistic. You can actually do that because of the voice. Huge personal preference. I just love Dave. Love me some Dave Bautista. So is it realistic? Probably not. I also wondered about like Jason Momoa. Josh Brolin has a great voice, but of course, as Thanos, that's hard to yeah, and, overcome. And that was like my thought process on like the body. Yeah. It's like we just really need like a big guy. So I was like, anybody right that is like a WWE wrestler or former, mm-hmm. like a Triple H even. Correct. Like just going in there and just being the brute. 
it will never be Triple H because he's too busy with WWE stuff. But yeah. like, yeah, well, that's why I like brought up Brock Lesnar. Correct. Correct. Yeah, the body part you can solve almost more easily. My most out there idea was Brian Cranston. And again, voice, voice. Okay. He's got the low register, uh, but it, it would just take some. It would take some imaginative work. It's not a lead pipe. Oh yeah, that's a lock. It's just more of a. He's got the voice. And Ben Grimm, like in the comics, has been a friend of Reed Richards. That Reed was the brainiac. Ben was the the jock that befriended him. You could easily. Uh, alter Ben Grimm's origin where he and Reed are nerds together, right? With yeah. Brian Cranston. So just a different different take. Not uh, as fun of a not, dynamic. Not as fun. Not as fun. All right. Focus time. How about Dr. Doom? Yeah, I didn't write one down, mm-hmm. but you got someone I think I already said mine. I think I'm gonna go Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. Like and then let's be real. In a real world, I would probably pick Michael Fossbender. Yeah. Because he would kill it. Yeah. But then at the same time, if I did that, that means he would not be Magneto. Yeah. And that would also crush me. So, <laughs> I, and by the way, I'm hoping the MCU, keep, That's I hope that's one thing they keep. Yes. I hope Fassbender stays at Magneto. How can you not hope for that? But like, can you imagine like Adam Driver as Doom and Ma- Fassbender as Magneto? Mm-hmm. But... All the GMs. To each their own. All of them. I'm probably leaning right now, Adam Driver. Yep. Because yep. he's kind of... He, I think he would stick around for a while. Sure. And I think... Sure. I mean, he's already dealt with like being Kylo Ren, but this time he's less whiny and just more intense. Mm. And I think... He needs to hide behind the mask. Like, right. Let's not forget that. That's such a big piece with the Doom is he needs to wear the mask. He just does. Like, I don't want to see Dr. Doom unmasked. I want him with the full freaking metal mask. And Driver's got the kind of voice that can carry that. And he's very good. He's a very good brooder. Mm-hmm. He's very good at brooding. If you watch the <laughs> sequel trilogy of Star Wars, he's a very good brooder. Very effective at the brooding. Very emotional, too. But if he can dial that in, yeah. in a little bit, which he can. Mm-hmm. That's, a bit. that's why I'm going to say Adam Driver. I think Adam Driver is just that good of an actor. Yeah. And like I said... We kind of talked about it earlier with Reed Richards, where it was like, you almost want an actor that's just on the line mm-hmm. of, like, Doom and Reed. Yep. And he was being considered for Reed Richards, apparently. Sure. So, that's sure. my vote. I yeah, think he would... Good. That's a good poll. I think Doom would be a better take for him for than him. Reed. I don't disagree at all. No, I, I'm totally aligned there. My first pick for Dr. Doom... Andy Circus, give me that voice underneath that doom mask all day. That's good. That's all solid. Day. That's that's what I would want. Um, Andy doesn't meet the criteria that I love of crossing the line between Reed. He would never be Reed Richards, but I think he could be a fantastic pick for Dr. Doom in the sense of he's always behind the mask. His voice is terrific. He's got the ability to be menacing. And you get the accent. And you, yeah, yeah. So I would I'd love Andy Circus. I think that's a great pick. Thank you. That's one I didn't even think of at all. No. And I'm yeah. used to him just being Claw, but Claw's dead. So it's like, right. Right. 
And by the way, what a waste. What a waste. What a waste. What? He, what, he should have just done what he, they did in the comics and kill him and then turn him into living sound. Right. Which, right. does that make sense? Absolutely not. Oh, it because doesn't make sense. It's because comics. That's great. Well, that's fun. I'm fascinated, genuinely fascinated to see what the casting news is. If there's any uh, any hits on my end. I'm not really holding my breath for Keanu. But uh, that'll always live on my uh, on my phone list of here's who I would love. I can almost guarantee we're going to be one. oh for five. Vanessa <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kirby has a great chance. I I think there's a I think there's meat on that bone. I think Reed and I think Sue will be either big time or upcoming actors, big names or upcoming big names, and then I think. I think Johnny will, to be honest, I think Johnny's going to be a no-name mm-hmm. that not a lot of people recognize. Yep. And then I, the thing could literally anybody. be. Oh my gosh, it could be anybody. anybody. And I, and like I said before, it doesn't need to be a voice actor, but I want somebody, I want the voice to be the main priority. Correct. So. Correct. Yeah. Totally uh, agree. Love it. Great job, Riles. Well, hey, it's time to get into a, another classic. JP and the Beans. Five. On today's top five, we are counting down the top five sidekicks in all of comics. Now, here's the thing. I don't think either of us realized when we embraced this idea until we started doing the research, there aren't actually that many sidekicks to choose from. No, I got really creative. I'm uh, Thank goodness you did. I, I got really, really creative. I'm certain I got less creative than you. Because certain. there was a legit point earlier in the day where I'm like, I'm just going to do all five Robins. <laughs> it's tempting. It's really tempting. Look, if you have two on there, I, I'm not going to be mad at you. Because I know. there's a lot of good options. I can promise you I only have one. I only have one Robin. Spoilies. I only have one Robin. Yeah, same, but it, it would be so easy to have more than one. Like, one Robin that I don't have on my list, or most of my don't, just the one. And it's going to be the same one for both of us, I know. Uh, it just is. Well, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, it is. But uh, Carrie Kelly, in the alternate universe take on Batman, where she becomes Robin after Batman is retired and then come back out of retirement, she's a tremendous... Robin. Just absolutely outstanding, both in her physical skill and ability and in the emotional support and significance she lends to Bruce Wayne. She's an absolute dynamo. So it's really hard to keep her off the list. But I, I, I did want variety where it wasn't it wasn't overwhelmed by Robins. So anyway, top five. Number five, Riley, you go first. Okay, this is where we get really creative. And number five, I have Jarvis. Wow. I have Iron Man's AI Jarvis. Because he was always there for our guy, you know, in the AI. He's always helping out. He's a great person to just have listened to, you know. And on top of that, what? Talk about character progression for Jarvis. He went from an AI in a suit. Yep. That's that's pretty damn good. So pretty good come up for our guy Jarvis. I have Jarvis at five. That's really great. Great pull at number five. My number five is my guy Wong. No last name, 
just wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be really honest. Part of this is just for the name. His name just cracks me up every time. I love calling him Wong Dong for no good reason other than there needs to be more than just Wong. Uh, in the Doctor Strange movies, he's a phenomenal companion to Doctor Strange. Grounds him, protects him, does all sorts of helpful things. Really levels off the arrogance of this particular version of Stephen Strange. In the comics, he's allowed to flex a lot less, which I think is a bummer. So I really like how the movies have given Wong more both to do and uh, the goods with which to do it. So my number five, Wong Dong. My number four, and this is where I get a little creative. My number four is Wally West. So Wally was sidekick of sorts. Yes, Kid Flash. Kid Flash. And part of what makes Wally such an outstanding sidekick is that I think what a good protege does is they follow their mentor well enough that when it's their time to take on the mantle, that not only are they prepared to take the mantle, but they are able to leave the jersey in a better place, so to speak. They're able to take what was given and yet improve on it. I think it's safe to say that Wally did that when he was able to be full adult Flash. Wally was is was and is arguably a more a better Flash than Barry ever was, even to like likability. Yeah, like yeah, that says a lot. Yeah, Wally's incredible. He's if he's not the top Flash, that, that's that's a hill a lot of people would die on. So Wally West, I'd probably die on it. Yeah, that's my number four. Who do you got? Number four for me, just because he's turned into an icon thanks to Marvel. I got Bucky at four. Okay. Yeah. The dude yeah. now in. The movies, he's a little bit more of like a partner. Mm-hmm. In the comics, though, he's definitely a sidekick. Yeah. But I think it really, yeah. I love the Winter Soldier comic yeah. because it really builds on how important Bucky was, not just to Captain America, yeah. but to the war effort. Because yeah. he was like, Bucky was the guy that was going to go sneak in there, do a bunch of secret spy stuff, yeah. go in, go out, yeah. stealthy. Genuine covert operation. Correct. And nobody yeah. saw it coming because he's yeah. this youth kid mm-hmm. that's next to Captain America. Right. So right. I'm going to go with Bucky at four. Great pick. Great pick at number now, four. Love that. You're number three, sir. At number three. Again, we get a little creative. Okay. And I believe she was a little bit of a sidekick in the X-Men trilogy. Okay. I'm going with Kitty Pride wow. to Wolverine. Ooh, noise. Because noise. Wolverine kind of becomes this father figure mentor to Kitty. Mm-hmm. And I think their dynamic together, whether it be comics or the movies, because yep. I'm pretty sure in the movies good dynamic between them and the they have that same three. dynamic. Yes. Yes. So for me, I go Kitty Pride That's at three. Great. I love that number three. That's great. And like we talked about. I recording the X-Men are just tough like to classify in this kind of sidekick realm because there's always this team dynamic so that there's not an official necessarily pairing that goes on. But I think there's within that still a lot of opportunities to go, you fit the sidekick mode. Yeah. Like I almost picked Nightcrawler. Right. Right. And couldn't quite talk myself into it. But I wanted to see, and this one was tough for me too because I was like, "There's got to be a couple X Men in mm-hmm. there," and this is more of like a mentor mentee relationship, yes. almost a, yeah. a father daughter relationship. Yeah. But I, 
I feel like right. I feel like she's sidekicking with Wolverine. Like she goes to help him out and make sure he stays out of trouble, just like he wants to protect her. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. My number three is not a superhero. Uh, just an average Joe of sorts, an average Foggy, if you will. Oh, Foghorn, Foggy Nelson, old friend, best friend of Matt Murdock, law partner. Uh, Matt Murdock, as Daredevil, needs Foggy Nelson, needs him, because Matt can lean a little too heavily at times into the devil side of the Daredevil persona. And he needs Foggy to help bring him back, get him centered, and get his vision. Sorry, Matt, but I couldn't avoid it. Get his vision back on track of why Matt Murdock is Daredevil. It's not just so that he can beat the bejesus out of the bad guys. It's to protect others. It's to serve others within Hell's Kitchen. And he keeps Matt, when I say grounded, he keeps him involved in the law practice, right? Which is a big part of what keeps Matt from going over to uh, over the darkness of the Daredevil persona. Oh, for sure. If he didn't have Foggy, I think he would. Yeah. I think he would have crossed the line a yeah. lot of times. Yeah. Because even with him, he did. So, yeah. Imagine without. No doubt. My number two, Bucky Barnes. Love Bucky. Hmm? Love him. Uh, part of what makes Bucky so highly ranked in my particular set of rankings is that when you have when you have our guy Bucky upgrade, it is truly incredible that he goes from sidekick to dead to back to life. And then I'm sorry, you are Captain America. Like when Cap goes down, Bucky steps in. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And his character progression, just an absolute joy and delight to see the redemption arc for Bucky. You mentioned the Winter Soldier storyline is tremendous. And when Steve Rogers unfortunately passes, uh, Bucky taking on that mantle begrudgingly, and yet he finds a way to make it his own, is absolutely tremendous. So for me, Bucky Barnes, he is my number two. I promise I listened. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Bucky Barnes, we've covered those or trained through these waters. So my number two? Your number two. My, my number two. Hit it. I got Wally West. Yeah. I got uh, Wally West. And to be honest, like, I think, hey, I grew up with Wally West as the Flash, but I think what really sold me on him as a sidekick, mm-hmm. and I brought this show up many of times, yep. Young Justice. Mm-hmm. He is like, his character in Young Justice is phenomenal because, mm-hmm. yes, you talked about him being like the perfect uh Heir to the mantle of the yeah, Flash. Right. And so he struggles with the fact that he doesn't think he can ever live up to Barry. Mm-hmm. Because Barry has just set the standard. Yep. And because of that, he holds himself back. Yep. And so it's a very it's a very cool dynamic. Yeah. Well, I don't know if cool, more human dynamic yes. for that. Yeah. And so I have Wally too. Also, I just love him. He's such a good guy. Yeah. That's fantastic. And then we obviously have the same number one. It's Dick freaking Grayson. It's Dick Grayson. Yeah, it's it's Dick. Dick Grayson in here. A clear number one. When you think of sidekick, who do you think? You think of Robin. Mm-hmm. Who was that Robin? 
Who was the best Robin? Who was the who was the most iconic Robin? Right. Not even just the first, but just the best. Rick Grayson. And I think that's part of what sets him apart at number one is that there is a list of competitors. Right. And there are sequels that have come after the original, and none of which have touched the level of the original. So there's competition, in other words, and yet he has just turned the competition away. It's incredible. Well, you know, it's it's incredible when each other Robin is trying to fill the shoes mm-hmm. of Dick. They can't do it. Not even Damien freaking Wayne, no. the son of Batman. Can't do it. Couldn't fill his shoes. Can't do it. Couldn't do it. And then just to like just to show off, just to flex, when Batman temporarily can't even really say dies, like disappears, gets sent back through time. Who steps into the Batman mantle just to let Gotham know that Batman is around and to keep chaos at bay if villains believe that Batman or realize that Batman was gone? Grayson. And he crushes it. On top of that, not because he wanted to. Yes. He didn't want to be Batman. He he wanted to be far from it. He loved being Nightwing. But you know what? He's like, I don't have a choice. Because if they think Batman's dead... Gotham's dead. Yes. Gotham is so soon so. to follow. Yep. And he's like, well, darn it all. What a sacrifice. What Give me the suit. Hero. What a freaking hero. Give me the suit, Alfred. Incredible. Like, who, who else? What other sidekick has embodied three personas extraordinarily well? He's a phenomenal Robin. He's a phenomenal Batman. And he's phenomenal as Nightwing. That's incredible. That's incredible. Grace of all time. Yeah. Grayson. Grayson. Yeah. Number one, easy peasy. <laughs> it is. It really is. It's a phenomenal top five, Riles. Well done. Absolutely. There's your top five sidekicks of all time. You're welcome. You're welcome. Absolutely. Don't find out whose numbers six and seven are because that's about all that exists. <laughs> it would be. There may not be ten. It would be Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne. Not in that order. It could be in any order, but those are your options. Of course, there's just not a lot out there. And Stephanie Brown. We'll throw Stephanie. Yeah, Brown. sure. Story Boon. I guess. Story Boon. That's great. Anything That's else you want to hit on, Mike? That's guy? all I got. Same piece. Well done. Um, well done. I think on that note, we just end it there. We do. All right. Godspeed. Peace.